Hi, I'm Ross from San Diego, California, a student pharmacist attending the University of Utah College of Pharmacy in Salt Lake City, Utah. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. Hello and greetings. This is Stuart Haynes from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy, and welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. I'm so delighted to welcome a very special co-host to our episode, Dr. Kristen Yonke from the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy. Hello, everyone, and my thanks to the Pharmacy Forward production team for inviting me to participate as a co-host. It's been great putting this episode together, and I'm really looking forward to participating in the conversation with our guests. In this episode, we're going to explore a concept that has been getting some buzz lately in health professions education, the concept of professional identity formation. Over the past few years, I've seen a few intriguing papers in medical and pharmacy education journals about professional identity. And when Kristen reached out to me to suggest that we produce a podcast episode on this topic, I jumped at the chance. Yes, well, I think this topic, it's, it's one that's not well understood by most pharmacy educators. And the, the terminology is probably completely foreign to most student pharmacists, residents, and pharmacy practitioners. Over this past year, I've worked with a really great group of people on the AACP Student Affairs Committee. And we were wrestling with this topic and how to increase awareness of how professional identities are formed. We'll be publishing a comprehensive report about our work in the American Journal of Pharmaceutical Education, but the committee thought it would be great if we could reach a wider audience. Yeah, so before we get started, I have, a, I have to share with all of you a brief story about one of the courses I teach here at the University of Mississippi and how I first became aware of professional identity. So I coordinate a series of courses in our curriculum called Personal and Professional Development, and this is a four-course series that starts in the very first semester in the first professional year. And so at the beginning of this course, like many programs, we talk about professionalism, the characteristics of a professional and professional behaviors. And then I have students write an essay about professionalism and what it means to be a professional. And because this is supposed to be a reflective exercise, I ask them to write the essay in the first person And not surprisingly, most of the students, and these are P1 students after all, focus their attention on things like dressing professionally and being on time for work and keeping commitments and being knowledgeable. But students do go beyond these what I call external attributes of being a professional, and and some start to speak about professional values and some of the internal attributes of meaning their thoughts and beliefs. And it, it was one of these students who wrote in her essay about her discomfort with this exercise because she felt it was a kind of brainwashing that all of this talk of professionalism and what it means to be a pharmacist felt like preaching that we were asking her to join a cult that that was her exact words in fact she said that it was a cult and we were expecting her to conform that to become a pharmacist she had to commit to a set of values and beliefs and behaviors expected of a pharmacist And around this time I read this paper, I was really struck by the idea that perhaps we were, in fact, inculcating people into a certain system of beliefs. 
and my gut reaction was, you know, I wanted to push back against her assertion. But after thinking about it, it's really kind of true. Pharmacy and, and any profession, for that matter, have a certain set of values and beliefs that most members of the profession uh, ascribe to. And it, it was soon after this incident with this student that I read the paper in academic medicine about professional identity formation in physicians. And so personally, I've, I've learned a lot about the concept over the past few years, and I'm really delighted we're getting to talk about it today. My initial foray into this area started about eight years ago when we were talking with employers about our graduates. They commented favorably about how knowledgeable they were and how skilled, but they also commented that students didn't have a strong sense of what they brought to the table, what they as a pharmacist uniquely brought to the team. The employers even referred to students as lacking a strong identity, and my interest was piqued. After that, we started explicitly studying the milestones to becoming a practitioner, and it became clear that there were formative events that were framing the practitioner's priorities and values and approach, in other words, their identity. Well, Kristen, joining us today are a couple of people who also participated on the AACP Student Affairs Committee with you, uh, Dr. Jessica Johnson from the William Carey University School of Pharmacy and Dr. Karen Kopasik from the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Pharmacy. Jessica is an emergency medicine pharmacist and practices just down the road from me at the Memorial Hospital in Gulfport, Mississippi. And Karen has had a, a storied career working as a cardiology specialist at the University of Wisconsin Hospital and Clinics, but is also the Associate Dean for Student Affairs with the School of Pharmacy. So both of our guests understand professional identity formation from two perspectives, their personal perspective, becoming a pharmacist and how that is part of their identity, and from the perspective of pharmacy educators who help students, residents, and more junior practitioners develop their professional identity. Jessica and Karen, it's great to have you on the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Thank you, Stuart. We're glad to be here. I'm happy to be here too. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, thank you, Karen and Jessica, for joining us today. So I'd like to get this conversation started by talking a little bit about identity formation. When I think about my identity, I think of myself as a daughter and a mother. But I also see myself as an educator and a scientist. There are personal and professional components in my identity. So what exactly is identity as a concept? And how do most of us acquire it? Well, Kristen, it seems that you and I have some shared identities. Each of us can imagine some categories we think we fit into based on our personalities or hobbies, our careers or family life. These category labels, like, like Kristen's examples of mother or scientist, really represent groups or communities we believe ourselves to belong to. We naturally seek groups or communities of people with similar values, attitudes, and beliefs. And often these communities have a role, an action. They, they do something together, like raising babies or running experiments or playing football. And when two people stand next to each other and do that thing together, they reinforce the existence of that community and reinforce their identity as a member of that community. So a bunch of moms standing around chatting and watching their kids at a local playground 
are essentially constructing a community and influencing each other's motherhood identities in subtle ways. This concept applies to sports or religion or even your nationality. The actions of the community combined with the attributes can be uniting and and really defining for members of that community. However, I can also see how Stewart's example student might have been feeling fearful of, as she put it, conformity, as if she was being forced to permanently change into something she doesn't really understand yet in order to be accepted into the community of pharmacists, which could be a scary thing. But that's the nature of these communities. You will be changed by your involvement with them, and the community will be changed as well. I want to build on Jessica's description of identity as a community of individuals with similar values, attitudes, and beliefs, and that each community has a role or action. I think it's important to stress that we don't have just one identity, but many, and these identities are not fixed. They will expand and change over time. New experiences in our personal and professional lives help us to refine our current identities and adopt new ones. For example, we can join other communities after learning a new skill, like quilting, or assuming new work responsibilities, like adding student affairs work to my faculty responsibilities. Attaining additional education and training in graduate school provided me with an opportunity to participate in a new academic community and refine my identity as an administrator. We know that adding a new identity or refining a current one can be strongly influenced by other members of that community. It was through my mother's instruction that I became a quilter and through mentorship of other pharmacists and cardiologists that I transitioned into acute care cardiology practice. You know, this general process of developing a new identity is the same for pharmacy students. With acceptance into the pharmacy community, students must learn about the established norms, expectations, and roles through participation and socialization with existing members. Under the guidance of mentors and role models, they transition from being students to student pharmacists to pharmacists. And to complicate this process even further, the professional pharmacy is not just a single community of practice. There are several groupings within pharmacy, like clinical practice, academia, research, and management, to name a few. And within each grouping is multiple different communities that may have additional norms, expectations, and roles for students to learn. The challenge for students is to incorporate these new or multiple professional identities associated with this community they joined into their existing personal identity without replacing it. So one of the things that strikes me about our identity is this idea that we don't have one identity. We actually have several different identities. So for example, in addition to thinking of myself as a pharmacist and a health professional, I see myself as a New Englander, even though I haven't lived in New England since the early 1990s. And I think of myself as a man, which speaks to my gender identity. And I see myself as a well-educated and curious person, which is my signature character strength, a love of learning. And all of these identities coexist inside of me. There is this concept in the social justice movement known as intersectionality. And I'm wondering how this might apply to the concept of our identity formation. 
Stuart, you're spot on with the idea that our various identities influence each other. Visual models like wheels and sunbursts have been used to help students consider the many identities that shape who they are as individuals and as communities. One model used to visualize both intersectionality and professional identity formation is a Venn diagram. I personally like this model. As we grow personally and professionally, we add new circles or identities to that diagram. Some circles will expand while others shrink or sunset. It's the number, size, and overlap of these circles that make each person's Venn diagram unique. At times, adding a new identity or circle to this diagram can cause conflict with the others. Let me share a personal story about a conflict that occurred between my professional and personal identity. As a young pharmacist, I was somewhat critical of patients who were not adherent to their medication therapies. Like other young grads, I thought, now how hard can it be for you to take your medications every day and not miss a dose? This rigid attitude negatively affected my approach with performing medication histories and discharge counseling as a hospital pharmacist. It also created tension with the supportive person I identify with as a daughter, sister, wife, and friend. Conflict resolution came after my diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. Becoming a patient helped me align these two opposing behaviors within my identities. My own experiences and struggles as a patient has helped me better empathize with others and make me a better healthcare professional. Identifying with this community called patient in my personal life has ultimately strengthened my professional identity as a pharmacist. Karen, your description of the conflict and tension you felt is exceedingly common. When a person's existing internal identity and the external behaviors expected of them are dissonant, people experience confusion, frustration, and other stressful negative emotions. Adapting into a new community is difficult. It can take lots of time and repeated interactions with that community. It's not instantaneous. It's not just changing clothes. As a pharmacist and an educator, I see a need to help students transition into our professional community by helping them explore and eventually adopt the values and norms of the profession of pharmacy. So each of us has multiple identities. In addition, much of our identity is already formed by the time we get to college or decide to enter a health professions program like pharmacy. I think many faculty and preceptors assume that professionalism and teaching students about professionalism is really the same thing as professional identity formation. But while they're related, they really aren't the same. Can you give us some insights about the distinctions between these two concepts? Like Stuart suggested earlier, Many of us view and judge professionalism based on external observable characteristics like dressing professionally, being on time for work, saying please and thank you. Or here in Mississippi, it's yes ma'am, no sir. These actions are behaviors that are generally recognizable by other people in the community as showing professionalism or respect. But, you know, unfortunately, those behaviors can be turned on and off. Once your shift is over, you could take off your white coat and lock the pharmacy and sort of turn off that professionalism role play. 
you can respond to a question with an honorific like, yes, sir, but do so only because it's expected of you. And you're speaking that way only because a poor grade or a consequence of some kind would occur if you did not. You can act professionally without actually feeling or believing it to be the right way to act. But identity cannot be discarded so easily. You cannot turn off your gender identity, for example. Someone's belief that they are male or female is too deeply ingrained as part of their self-perception. Thus, that underlying belief about who they are influences that individual's every thought and action. I'm not saying that any particular identity is permanent. Truthfully, each aspect of our individual identity is in constant evolution as we receive feedback from the world around us. The difference between professionalism and professional identity is rooted in your reasons. Are you acting professionally because someone else expects it of you? Or are your behaviors reflecting your internal beliefs and values and priorities? Let me share a simplistic definition of professionalism and professional identity. Professionalism is what we do or don't do, and professional identity is who we are. We as faculty and pharmacists have mistakenly been focusing on what professionalism looks like, rather than supporting students with internalizing the norms and standards of our community of practice. Learning about professionalism can be passive for the learner. Students learn to identify what professionalism is by observing the behaviors and actions of other members of the pharmacy community. The objective is for students to recognize professional symbols and unprofessional behaviors. In contrast, professional identity formation is social, and it requires active engagement within a community of practitioners. Research has shown that the most powerful factors impacting professional identity formation are mentors and role models and experiential learning. Participating in patient care, receiving feedback from practitioners, and self-reflecting on their experiences leads to students acting, thinking, and feeling like a professional. So Jessica, Karen, I'm sure some of the folks in our audience are thinking, so what? You know, why do we need to spend time in our curriculum teaching students about professionalism and professional identity? And why should we continue to talk about it after graduation? Stuart, I'd be willing to bet you've seen a lot of uncertain student pharmacists graduate. Plenty who don't feel ready. They don't feel like pharmacists. And frankly, that was me at my own graduation. I was not ready. I did not feel like a pharmacist. And about a month before I finished residency, my car died and I had to spend the weekend car shopping. And when I went to register the vehicle, I made a very important decision. I decided to get a personalized license plate. I certainly wasn't thinking about professional identity formation when I chose my license plate. But looking back on it now, I see how choosing a license plate that read like prescription SIG code said something about who I was, who I had become. It said something about the community I felt I belonged to. 
So just as our individual identities influence our every thought, our identities also shape our actions, how we conduct ourselves and our collective thoughts and actions towards others, which of course influence the very future of our profession. I love how Jessica linked the future of our profession to professional identity formation. Because professional identity can influence the future, employers and professional organizations should invest in supporting professional identity formation throughout a practitioner's career. Nurturing and strengthening professional identity in the workplace can help employees remain committed, ethical, and humanist professionals. I firmly believe that a strong professional identity can counterbalance work stressors and negative emotions that lead to burnout. Christina Maslach described burnout as an erosion of the soul caused by a deterioration of one's values. It shouldn't be surprising to anyone that more pharmacists reported feelings of burnout in 2020 than in years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. In order to fight the virus and save lives, change needed to occur rapidly, and we had to adapt to an ever-changing environment. These changes brought increased workloads, expanded responsibilities, and multiple additional stressors in an already busy and stressful workplace. The pharmacists who weathered the storm were those who saw their work as a calling to help individual patients and their communities, rather than just a job. The pandemic shows us that professional identity is just as important for current practitioners as it is for students and nurturing it should not just be the responsibility of schools and colleges of pharmacy. Well, I've very much enjoyed our conversation today. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about how we develop our identity, how professional identity is not the same as professionalism, and why we need to be intentional about exploring both professionalism and professional identity with our trainees and colleagues. I keep reflecting on Stuart's example of the student who felt that becoming a professional was a bit like brainwashing. Students may be uncertain or fearful about learning the values and norms of the profession. Despite all the good that pharmacists do within society, they may feel like they need to give up something or to change their core self in order to become a pharmacist. Obviously, none of us want them stuck in that uncomfortable space, but that's where we all can have a positive effect. Others influence how we think about the profession. Our interactions influence my sense of connectedness and belonging. And there's definitely a socialization component in identity formation. In closing, I would just encourage us to explore our professional identity. Sketch your own wheel or sunburst or Venn diagram to acknowledge your identities. Reflect on their blending and their influence in your life. Maybe you've had experiences that have influenced your professional identity, like Karen's experience as a patient, or moments that have signaled your transition to the profession, like Jessica's license plate. It's through a deeper understanding of our own experiences that we prepare to help others through their journey. Well, I want to thank my co-host today, Kristen Yonke, for helping me formulate this episode and for identifying our guests, Karen Kopasik and Jessica Johnson, and for asking insightful questions that I hope have stimulated your thinking about this important topic. And of course, a big thank you to Karen and Jessica for being our guests and, and sharing with us their expertise and personal journeys. I hope our listeners learned a lot. I know I did.
Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. Thanks for listening.